Welcome to a new podcast series by Sustainalytics Sustainable Finance Solutions Team, which aims to deliver pipe and hot insights on the latest news and developments in the sustainable finance space globally. In each episode, we look to break down the latest transactions, product trends, regulatory changes, and more importantly, to connect the dots, sharing insights on what's happened, why, and what this means for future deals and activity. This episode is hosted by Nick and Cheryl, who lead the sales effort in Asia-Pacific. As you may know, Sustainalytics is a leading global provider of ESG research and ratings. Drawing on our vast experience of providing more than 400 second-party opinions on green, social and sustainability bonds and loans, the Sustainable Finance Solutions team works very closely with banks, underwriters and corporate issuers in relation to their sustainable finance transactions. Anyway, that's enough about us. Cheryl, let's hop straight to it. So Nick, 2019 was quite the year for green bonds. Can you give us a mini recap and perhaps a little teaser of what caught your eye so far in 2020? So over 2019, some key developers in, developments in the market were, as we can see through the CBI or Climate Bond Initiative reports that have come out over January, that the green bond market increased by around 33% to $255 billion, which is a significant amount. The Climate Bond Initiative reached their $100 billion mark for Climate Bond uh, Initiative signed off and certified bonds, which is a great achievement. Europe continues to power ahead. However, there's still good growth in emerging markets, Asia and also North America. I guess if you split um, the markets, 75%, you know, developing markets, 25% emerging markets, um, we'll be interested to see how that develops over 2020. The major use of proceeds areas were still energy, green buildings, transport, water, waste. So we'll see how that develops again. One of the interesting areas was the IT, ICT sector, which was approximately $2, two billion. So hopefully some more telcos and other related ICT companies go to market over 20, uh, 2020. The US, China and France were the dominant countries again, uh, with significant amount of issuance over 2019. The most interesting thing, though, that caught my eye was the increase in the non-financial corporates. So I think that's going to be a really interesting space uh, of, of further significant growth uh, over this year. And let's see what, uh, what happens and likely and hopefully see some, some growth in that, uh, in that area. There was a lot of news also about 2020 being a new decade. I know it's hard to believe, but is this the real decade of uh, ESG and sustainability? So hopefully uh, that will see and underpin the more and more mainstreaming of ESG and sustainability going uh, going forward. And connected to that, hopefully 2020 is really going to be the year for transition. So a lot of a lot of articles and a lot of news about the transition and, and what it means and, and how that will uh, manifest in, in the market. So some really interesting developments. So very excited about uh, this year. Speaking about mainstreaming, BlackRock CEO Larry Fink's annual letter to the shareholders announced that his firm will be making investment decisions with environmental sustainability as a core goal. He said that wherever he goes, he is constantly bombarded by investors on climate questions. Now, Nick, can you break down the significance of this letter for me? Yeah, Larry Fink actually does a letter every year from BlackRock. So I think this is significant to the extent that the issues that are covered. So really, um, the letter talks about um, having sustainability and looking at climate change as being a real cornerstone of the uh, investment approach um, and 
um, process at, at BlackRock. And I think the significant uh, other factor is that it, it's who's saying it. So it's not what's only be saying, it's it's who's saying that. Um, and I think the tone of of the letter was, um, you know, it was really, will be really supportive for the market. So there's been a lot of um, interesting press, largely positive, some negative, uh, but we'll see how this whole area of the fundamental shift and reshaping of finance develops uh, over uh, over the course of the year. And it was really good. Um, one of the notes in Mr. Fink's letter talked about the abundance of capital to finance transition. So some really pressing issues, but also um, some some really good uh, prospect, hopefully into the future, about there being capital to support this transition, and let's see how that manifests and grows in the market uh, over twenty twenty and beyond. Yeah, that's really good to hear. Is there anything else noteworthy in the broader context of sustainable finance? Yeah, I noted the uh, WEF Global Risk Report, uh, which came out just before the Davos conference this year, uh, and that was heavily heavily focused on all the key risks in that report being all environmental. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And once you're home over Christmas, Nick, what do you think about the sad situation of the bushfires in Australia? Yeah, it, it, look, it's, it's, um, it was, it's incredibly sad uh, being, um, being back in Australia and a lot of the fires, which in, in many parts of the states um, of Australia are still, uh, still ongoing. Hopefully, the, the, it's a terrible event, but hopefully the silver lining to come from that is the government will um, or hopefully you know, reassess the climate policy, reassess what's happening on climate action, and maybe that's a trend that we're going to see going forward is more of these extreme weather events and climate events and that triggering more public pressure on governments to, to reassess, re-look at, and see if collectively we're doing enough on climate, uh, climate change. So really, um, I think that further evidences and underpins the importance of considering sustainability and climate change, and that will drive further growth in the markets that we've been talking about uh, this year. But yeah, not a great situation and, and heart and thoughts go out to all the people affected by that. Yeah, it's so sad to see these images of burnt koalas and kangaroos, but it is a stark reminder that climate change is real. And if we don't take collective action, these weather events will only grow in, in intensity and in scale. But let's not be overly pessimistic, as Nick mentioned. 2020 is the start of the decade of action with the 2015 Paris Agreement finally coming into play and nations are being held to their NDCs. Uh, Nick, can you share some interesting transactions that took place at the end of 2019, start of 2020? Yes. So the first one I'd like to note is in relation to Etihad. So they financed a SDG loan, a Sustainable Development Goal loan, and we were heavily involved in the opinion for that transaction, looking at seven different areas such as green buildings, gender programs, biofuels. So I think that's a really interesting um, initiative uh, from one of the aviation, uh, in some ways a more challenging sector for some of the, the normal green, um, green areas to be financed. The next one was a really interesting development too, the first labelled social bond in India from Sriram um, Transport uh, Finance, and we were heavily involved in that transaction uh, as well. And I think financial inclusion remains a key theme, and many markets, uh, many of which we see, Cheryl in Asia, will um, will hopefully follow that uh, that trend. And also building on from the Blue Bond uh, movement, focusing on oceans and maritime-related projects, there was, I believe, the first green bond for a seafood company, for a company called Maui, uh, M-O-W-I, in the, in the Nordics, focused on sustainable fishing. Um, and that, I think, will, uh, will hopefully spark some more issuance in, uh, in that sector as, um, uh, as, as well. There's been a few firsts. 
uh, a lot of a uh, couple of transactions coming out of the uh, the U- UAE, uh, and also MOL, the Mitsui OSK lines on the shipping side, uh, and interesting that that bond was focused uh, on um, uh, on retail uh, investors. Uh, so let's see how that uh, develops further over uh, over twenty twenty. What about green loan space? Is there anything notable there? Yeah, maybe not quite as hot as the green bond space, but green loans are an important part of the market and continue to to grow. Um, Avation, a company based in Singapore, um, did a loan for a turboprop ATR on the aviation space, which is an interesting uh, interesting transaction. On the transport sector, we saw OCBC uh, with a loan in um, Victoria in Australia uh, for Comfort Delgro for some hybrid uh, hybrid buses there. Property continues to power along on the green green loan front. Uh, Hung Lung, Tiong Sang, Hu Hup, a lot of property companies um, active in that space. And a really interesting one was the IFC's loan to VP Bank in Vietnam. And maybe that's a sign that Vietnam is 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 growing and and ready to really um, embrace and grow in in some of the trends and and markets that we've uh, that we've been talking about. Nice. Uh, Nick, can you tell me more about this margin-reducing product that has gotten many corporates excited? Yes. So you're probably referring to sustainability link loans or otherwise known as uh, SLLs. And generally, they're issued by uh, by corporates um, and they're attached to um, pre-agreed sustainability targets, either KPIs or external ratings, such as what Sustainalytics uh, provides. And based upon those uh, pre-agreed targets with the with the lenders, if those are met, uh, there's possible ability to uh, reduce pricing on the loan, or if they're not met, possibly it goes in the other direction. So really interesting uh, product that actually um, over 2019 was, uh, according to Bloomberg data, uh, more than 100 uh, billion, and that's up from about 40, uh, close to 40 billion in 2018. So we'll see really strong growth, or be interesting to see the growth in the um, SLL uh, segment uh, over uh, over 2020. A couple of things just to add um, to that too. Um, as more and more transactions grow, uh, my understanding is, according to an article by the the Asset. Um, APLMA, LMA, and LTSA apparently will release some more guidance on sustainability link loans, hopefully in second quarter sometime this year. So that hopefully will underpin some of the growth in the market. And the sustainability linking concept, um, ICMA actually announced, I believe a couple of weeks ago, that they will establish a working group to look at developing sustainability link bond uh, principles. So I think they're really interesting uh, developments in the market by by the interested parties and, and industry groups that will support these uh, developments. Very exciting indeed. What are some recent noteworthy SLLs, Nick? Yeah, I think, or at, at least one, um, firstly, one announcement that, that took um, got my attention actually was CIMB, a Malaysian bank, and, and making a, a statement that there's um, 3 billion Malaysian ringgit in their portfolio that will go to sustainability link loans. So I think that's a really good thing to see banks making strong statements about growth in that market and their intentions. Johnson Controls, a, a large industrial company in the US, also transacted a um, an SLL that looked at carbon reductions in its own, but also some of the customers that they're supporting uh, on their um, on their solution. So that's interesting. The scope of of the influence and the impact that these loans uh, can have. Uh, Langham Hotels also had an interesting transaction in um, in December using an Earth 
um, you know, Czech certif- certification, and also NYK uh, in uh, in Japan, I think was one of the first SLLs in that market. So hopefully uh, we might see some some growth in Japan uh, for this uh, for this year. And just before recording, one other uh, transaction that went to market was the International Seaways 385 million loan for that uh, shipping company linked to carbon uh, carbon emission reductions of of its fleet. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how much more uh, financing we sh- we see related to shipping, with a lot of new regulations coming in in that sector, and a lot of banks signing up to the Poseidon principles, which we'll talk about in subsequent episodes. But uh, essentially, a framework developed for the banks to report on and and really work on their climate alignment uh, and plans for their shipping portfolio. So really interesting developments across the board there. And while we're talking about corporates, any new corporates made pledges or commitments lately that we should be excited about? Yeah, there's been quite a lot of activity in that space already over 2020. One of the commitments that really caught my eye was the commitment from um, an announcement from Microsoft, um, who announced that they have an intention to go uh, by 2030 to be carbon negative. And also, I think, step two of their plan to essentially offset emissions since the inception of their company. So that's a, that, that's a very, um, very interesting plan that was announced. And a number of other corporates over the last few months, I think it's fair to say, uh, Etihad, Qantas, BA, and also Repsol have announced net zero plans uh, on emissions by by 2050. So I think the the real takeaway from that uh, is that essentially uh, that will help intensify the the context. A lot of corporates are intensifying their efforts. That will then translate into wanting to finance more of these activities, which I think is great for sustainable finance to support those uh, developments. Um, just an interesting one, a, a slight aside, and, and building on that, I think it's interesting too that that some organisations. Um, such as the Alan MacArthur Institute have released a circularity tool focusing on on the circular economy and Alan MacArthur Institute focus a lot on that area uh, and they've released a tool called Circ- Circulitics, which is a little bit like our name. So that, uh, that caught my eye. But I think the takeaway from that is more and more tools that corporates can use to help them uh, once they have their agenda and ambitions to work through, crunch the numbers and, and see how they can link, um, obviously, financing and support those uh, initiatives to accelerate them. Very nice. Sovereigns, we see, were also key issuers in 2019. And we saw a lot of these markets catalyzed and led by sovereign issuances, which is quite an optimistic trend. There seems to be quite a lot of noise of new issuances coming out. What have you read so far about this, Nick? Yeah, there's been a lot of lot of articles already over 2020 in this particular aspect of the market. I think sovereigns are a key part of the market, and hopefully we will see them to continue to be a key part of the market going forward. So I've read articles about Portugal, Germany, UK, Egypt talking about uh, or being speculated on as issuing at some at some point in time. Ecuador, there was an article on being the first social bond for a sovereign um, dedicated just to social use of proceeds for uh, for Latin America. Chile also did another another green bond. And there's been a lot of news out of Africa. Very very um, uh, interesting uh, interesting area. So we'll see what happens uh, in in that uh, particular geography. Also in the Middle East, uh, there was an Abu Dhabi Sustainable Finance Forum and a lot of news that came from that. Some new sustainable finance guidelines and and I think we'll see. Uh, potentially see some really interesting things happen in the Middle East over um, 
over this uh, over this this year. Shall we quickly move on to scan the changing regulatory landscape? Can you tell us more about what's happening in the EU for a start? Yeah, sure. So I guess there's a lot of interest and ongoing interest, which is rightly rightly so, for the EU taxonomy on sustainable finance. So overall, in December, we saw uh, what seems to be an agreement between. Uh, Parliament and and the Commission and Council and at least Parliament and the Council uh, on a framework to underpin the uh, the taxonomy going forward on the, on the eighteenth of December at least there was a political agreement on the draft for those regulations they'll still take a couple of years to come in they need to go through a, a fair bit of refining and polishing and putting into the twenty four languages of the EU so I guess a lot of the detailed work to uh, to continue. Uh, so really, really interesting area to watch this space, and a, a lot of uh, a lot of banks and a lot of companies obviously watching how that uh, how that evolves and where exactly that lands and what it means for certain uh, certain industries. There was a really interesting thing uh, which I noted as well, or piece of piece of news which was in relation to gas has been uh, debated about about how credible a a transitional fuel um, that is. Um, and there was certainly news that came out about the sustainable finance uh, or the TEG, the technical expert group related to the EU taxonomy ruling natural gas out for sustainable electricity generation. Um, so that's 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 an interesting uh, interesting piece of uh, piece of news related to the things I've just mentioned. The EIB launched a bond, which was apparently the first to be aligned with the with the EU taxonomy in terms of their documentation and putting that together. And also, there's been a lot of talk about the EU Green Deal um, in relation to budget allocations for further work um, and project support for and funding for, I guess, climate change and resilience and adaptation. So, lots going on in Europe, and certainly further uh, a further topic will consistently come back to over the the series of uh, of the uh, podcast. And closer to home, any interesting regulatory developments or headlines in Asia? Yeah, sure. So one of the the main regulators in China uh, that regulates um, the banks and insurance, the CBIRC, came out with a positive uh, regulation to really push and support more uh, green green uh, green financing. We've also seen the plenty of articles about the MAS here in Singapore, um, continuing from their major announcement in October last year to provide um, you know subsidies and support and and other things they've got planned in that major sustainable finance initiative and really positioning Singapore further to be a regional a regional hub um, and the ASEAN uh, Capital Markets uh, Forum hopefully and I'm sure they're doing some some work related to the areas that I mentioned uh, mentioned above so plenty happening in the in the regulatory space thank you so much Nick all right folks that's about all the time we have for this episode well if you made it to the end and enjoyed listening to us do stay tuned for our next episode do also follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter at Sustainalytics and send any questions or feedback our way thanks again for tuning in till next time